I'm Kasada Bowman. Today, my guest is Joe Rosenthal. He joins us from Minnesota. Joe is the man behind the website RichardEagleSpoon.com. The philosophy behind Richard Eaglespoon is to inspire people to be less stressed about cooking and at the same time empower them to make better food. Richard Eaglespoon started as a name that Joe made up for a location tag to use on Instagram. The photos on there were just meals that he and his wife cooked, but people kept thinking that Richard Eaglespoon was in fact a real restaurant. Joe leaned into that and developed a restaurant website. There's even a fictionalized origin story on the site. So the site sat mostly untouched, but then Joe ended up writing a gift guide. And so the fake restaurant website grew a real blog section and the rest is history. So I'll start by asking, as we always do, Joe, have you eaten yet? And if you have, what did you eat today? Luckily, I have eaten something today. It's a good, good day. Um, What did I eat? I had a seafood salad from the supermarket, which I am a sucker for. All right. Seafood salad it is. So I want to start by giving a quick secondary intro about you, Joe. You're a mathematician and your wife is a computer science professor. You work on developing artificial intelligence systems for improving cancer diagnostics, though recently your work has shifted to include modeling COVID-19. Your PhD was focused on building predictive models related to Alzheimer's disease. Joe, your profession sounds fascinating, really an understatement there. I know you're not able to comment on your COVID work at this time, but can you give us some general insight about the process in creating these models, perhaps by discussing your PhD work? Sure. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, that'll change regarding the COVID work. We're hoping to get a a publication out eventually. Um, And we're waiting for approval. But um, my my PhD work was was focused on Alzheimer's disease, a few different uh, aspects of it. Uh, I was looking at how these uh, toxic proteins implicated in the disease can kind of start to build up and, and cause, you know, neurological issues. Um, I was looking at a finer granularity, specifically, you know, how the proteins would polymerize, form these long chains, and actually become more toxic at a certain point. And so we were kind of investigating that critical point where they, you know, start getting worse and worse. And actually, this whole process of um, uh, polymerizing is kind of similar to what I write about in my pizza article um, in gluten formation. Um, So kind of related, but not really. Uh, We would make models based on data coming out of a lab we were working with uh, at at the university where I I got my PhD. And so I would, you know, use what's known about these biological processes, uh, physics, to kind of make base assumptions and then use the data and try to fit to that and adapt as needed. And um, my background is also in high performance computing, um, which can help me use those models to form the basis of simulation software. Um, So you could say simulate the lifespan of a mouse for two years uh, with respect to just these proteins, you know? Um, And so you could look at, Hey, you know, we have this treatment. How effective is this on that protein? Um, 
you know, if you can say it's pretty effective for two years in a mouse, you can have some insight on, you know, this is reasonable for a human. And so one of the other things we were modeling was a treatment that at the time was believed to be a potentially disease model, uh, disease modifying, uh, which is a huge deal for Alzheimer's disease. Uh, there's nothing uh, disease modifying on the market, um, as far as I know, still. Uh, but at the time, certainly not. And um, and so we were looking at a lymphoma drug that was repurposed uh, for Alzheimer's disease and in modeling that. And so there's a, a few different aspects to the model. And I was just kind of interested in modeling different parts of the disease. COVID is infectious. There's a, different aspects, you know, to modeling an infectious disease versus, versus COVID. But I think a lot of the underlying math can be very similar. Um, but I'll say the models that we're doing, um, the kind of the kind of work that I'm doing for COVID, um, which is not my primary job. My primary job is is cancer. It's just kind of anyone that can work on COVID kind of did work on COVID for a time. Um, and so the models are different. Um, but I think, uh, you know, a lot of this high performance computing, a lot of this intuition for biological processes and, and, and applying math and, and all that sort of stuff is is similar. So, Joe, the reason that I did a secondary intro with you about your job is to drive home the point that you are an employed person and you're not operating a gossip website with the intention of taking down restaurants and generating revenue from that. I say this because we're about to discuss a post from your Instagram that accuses a restaurant of some highly racist behavior. And I want to be clear with you and the listeners that I want to tread lightly here, since no additional reporting beyond what you discovered has been done on this yet, at least as of this recording. And most importantly, it's COVID. And I don't want to contribute negatively in affecting anyone's business. I say that as a restaurant owner. That being said, I'm also a woman of color, and I can't be silent with this. I feel compelled to ask questions, listen, and learn until we hear more in the future. I applaud you, Joe, for noticing some questionable behavior, digging further, and calling it out. First off, listeners, if you want to follow along with us, go to Joe's Instagram profile, which is Joe underscore Rosenthal. The profile picture is a burger. So the title of the post is Restaurateurs on Social Being Racist. The restaurant in question is Prince Street Pizza, which is both a New York and L.A.-based pizzeria. Joe, if you could start by explaining why you were looking into Prince Street in the first place. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, I should start. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff I was doing, I would say prior to COVID, was pizza related. You know, that was kind of the sphere that I was operating in. I was making a lot of pizza at home. Those are the people I knew. But as far as, you know, pizzerias I was interested in, you know, Prince Street wasn't one of them. I think they're kind of this phenomenon. You know, they're not really, you know, they're not like a local slice shop anymore. They're kind of like, you go to YouTube, there's dozens of videos. They're, they're, they're just, they've kind of gone beyond the world of pizza. And so, you know, I'm not inherently interested. They're just kind of this giant fish that I just don't really care about. But um, there was this tweet, I think it was Katie Weaver, um, 
think she's a style writer for the New York Times. She tweeted about uh, the fact that there was a problem with fulfilling orders um, placed on on the Prince Street website um, directly, as, as far holidays, as I understand it. Right? I think in general, but it was like right before Christmas. And so people were like, hey, where are my orders? It's supposed to come on Christmas. And I think her tweet ended something like, you know, P- hey, PSA my uh, to my partner, you're not getting Prince Street for Christmas. And I just reposted that because it was kind of, I mean, it's sad, right? Nobody's even getting informed that these orders are getting canceled. But it, it's funny. You know, she she framed it in an amusing way. And so I, yeah, I, re- I, mean, I, I think you're right. I think it said uh, it was a PSA and it said, yeah, uh, these orders were accepted in error. Yeah. And it was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> they and accepted them. <laughs> I've seen people saying that um, they've been off of Goldbelly for a while. I haven't seen any evidence of them being on Goldbelly past maybe June. I'm not, I'm not quite sure on that, but it, it's been a little while since they were on Goldbelly and I think they took all these orders on their own website and it doesn't seem like they ever had any intention to inform anyone that they weren't going to be fulfilled or, or anything like that. I assume people are getting refunded when they approach, but I, I don't know. Um, there were a lot of comments on picture uh, on posts on, on Instagram saying like, Hey, I didn't get this. Like what's going on? What's the status? Um, and so I, I just posted that. And I think I, I don't even remember what I was talking about that day. It might've been La Scala and Beverly Hills, which is, absolutely terrifying situation and so i think that just took my attention and i i noticed that um you know that was getting the prince street thing was getting some attention once the uh, la scala thing kind of died down on my end um i just thought about it a little bit and said hey um i wonder what's going on on prince street's yelp um you know for a while i had known that they had kind of aggressive responses on yelp to reviews and it was something i hadn't thought about in a long time, maybe years. And so I popped on and um, I sorted by uh, by one star because, um, you know, that's what they were responding to in the past. Um, and then I don't remember what the first review. Oh, I do remember. It was uh, Melissa C's review. And when Joe was looking through Yelp, he noticed reviews claiming that people were treated poorly due to their race and that non-white customers were treated differently than white ones. But it was really the restaurant's responses to these people on Yelp, which seemed to possibly back up these accusations. And listen, shout out to all my fellow restaurant owners out there. Please stop responding to reviews in 2021. It's a waste of time and energy. We have too many other things to focus on right now. So here are just four of the restaurant's alleged responses to customers' claims of racism. Trigger warning, I'm about to use harsh language, so mute this podcast if children are around. Also, it's funny. So it's funny in a disgusting way, um, these four responses. And honestly, I can't even get through the list without laughing. So I'm just going to go with it. And you may hear me chuckle because it's outrageous. And that's where this humor or laughter comes from. All right. Number one, go shit in a hat, you racist clown. Number two, and this is one that was just outrageous. This old ass will break your fucking jaw in one punch, you communist scumbag. Number three, go fuck yourself, you disgusting race card playing cunt. Number four, you are nothing but a mongrel. 
Joe, for listeners who may be saying, this guy is exaggerating, let's be real. Well, let's be real. These are real, actual quotes from Prince Street Pizza that you can find on Yelp, correct? And also, Joe, please tell us, what was the first thing that popped in your head when you saw these responses? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, as of, as of um, I don't know, I last checked a couple hours ago, you could go on Yelp and um, those were there, uh, except for number four, uh, which was a, a private message that a Twitter user uh, posted screenshots on from, I think, 2017. Um, and they, they said something along the lines of, you're a disgrace to the Asian community or something like that. And then said, you're nothing but a mongrel. And then the, the person engaged them and they, they like explained and doubled down on it. Um, and so uh, when I first found these, what was going through my head, I think uh, Melissa sees uh, the response that to Melissa sees review was what I first saw. And I believe that um, that was one of the go shit in a hat comments. There was two. Um, and the wording was slightly different, but it was just kind of like, this is obscene. Like what, what the heck is going on? And I don't remember if I found other reviews like right away, but I, I ended up checking Dom Morano's Facebook because it's just kind of standard operating procedure, you know, just see. And, um, I found a post talking about, uh, it was a repost. And it was um, a video of Black Lives Matter protesters getting hit by a car. And it was accompanied by a joke, you know, something stupid about, like, why did the Black Lives Matter protester cross the road? And it was, like, to get hit by a car something gross. Um, and there was other stuff, like a repost to Breitbart article, kind of with uh, dog whistly whataboutism, talking about black-on-black violence, shit like that. Uh, post talking about uh, how sweet the tears are when uh, Trump won, you know, that sort of stuff. And so, you know, at, at some point, you know, I had that and I started getting more of the Yelp responses and looking around and it was just like, I can't claim to know what was going through whoever's had when, you know, they gave one a white person a cup of water and somebody else, they charged them. You know, I don't know who's to say, right? But these responses are unreal. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to me, the whole like, I'm not a racist, you're a racist is just bananas. I see it all the time, but I, I don't know. Um, somehow I'm still not desensitized to that. And the, the nothing you're nothing but a mongrel i have you know a, a friend that told me like he's been called that in like a, a harassing offensive way you know this these are terrible hurtful things i mean you read number three they used a gendered slur to to talk to a a black woman who felt like she was not being treated fairly right on the, on the basis of who she was and they I don't know if she was at that point, but she certainly was in the response. Um, and it makes me think she probably was. Um, so, so you you saw this. This is all going through your head. You finally, after kind of cross-referencing, looking at Dominic Morano's Facebook, things like that, You did, that is that around the timeline that you said, let me post about this? 
Yeah, I posted it. Uh, I believe I posted. Um, I think I posted some of the Yelp at least, and then the, the Dominic uh, Morano stuff, and then I definitely posted more Yelp after that because I I uncovered. Um, I believe it was number four. I uncovered a little bit after that, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I started posting that, and then um, somebody who was following along, and I think a lot of people might have done this, uh, shared the screenshot of the, the Black Lives Matter joke, um, not because they thought it was funny. But to call out Prince Street, they wrote something along the lines of this sucks, or, you know, maybe yeah. in, in more colorful language. And you can see the exact wording in my story. Um, and they, I think, said, uh, go to Scars, Scars Pizza instead of black owned uh, pizza, pizzeria in the Lower East Side. Great pizzeria. Um, and so it was like, OK, you know, glad this is getting shared. But then somebody on the Prince Street uh, Instagram account, it's a verified account, um, responded with a Rick and Morty and Ricky Gervais meme to basically just say, like, you're having a hard time because you don't find it funny, but I find it funny, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, for context, these Facebook posts were from a few years ago. Um I think the Black Lives Matter one was in 2016. I think one of them was in 2015. You know, it's a while ago. People change. Like, I don't stand by everything I've said then. And I think, you know, we probably all ought to go back and see what stupid shit we wrote and and think about it. I don't think you're a criminal for saying something that you regret. I do think if you double down on it, it might as well have been said in that moment. Right. And so I don't think this is, you know, trying to crucify somebody over years old social media posts. I think this is looking at a body of of evidence, you know, responses to Yelp, which were, you know, pretty recent. Some only one of them, I think, was within the timeline of COVID. Uh, one of them was 2019. Some of them were 2017. You know, it's been going on for years consistently. Um, you see a pattern of behavior over over years. Um one of the other things that came up after I made my, my Instagram post was that there was a um, thin blue line flag on their door. Yeah, all lives and I, matter. Or yeah, blue, and it's blue kind of, lives um, matter. Blue yeah, lives it's, matter. It's come to be, I mean, very quickly after that symbol, uh, you know, came in, in, in use, you know, in recent times, um, it, it got co-opted by the Blue Lives Matter movement. I think that was like around 2014 that it like, yeah. that kind of all happened in recent memory. But I think the the idea of blue the thin blue line might have existed before that. I, I'm not, you know, yeah, historian on that stuff. But you know, I, I think at that point in time, it was very clearly a blue lives matter symbol. And well, I'll take it a step further, just for people listening. My personal belief is yes, like you said, it was from years ago. Now, uh, post Trump, um, everyone around us, for example out here on Long Island, we are, um, we're in like Trumpville. So everyone's Trump flags came down after election day and all the blue lives matter flags went up. So it's a very coded term, just like, so people understand, you know, if you're seeing this flag around, it can be a coded thing right now. You know, it's not a good thing. Um, it's equivalent to having like a, a Confederate flag. Completely. I think it represents the same views. Um, 
and I say that as somebody that grew up in a place, I know we grew up not too far from each other, the county sheriff had a Confederate flag hanging from his house. You know, I think people just are open about that, that flag, the, the, the thin blue line flag. And I think it it represents, you know, anti-movement to black lives matter. And, um, so I, I tracked that sign and you can go on my story and see the, the whole thing, but, um, and it was on there for years, and I think they discontinued use sometime around December 19. And I walked in front of them, like, January uh, 2020, and I didn't see it. I obviously could have missed it, but then somebody else like, hey, I was there, and I didn't see it either, and I have a picture to prove it. So I think it went down, like, right at the beginning of the year 2020. Um, but it was there for years, and I have picture evidence of that in my story. Um, and then before that, I believe it was 2015. Sorry, there's a lot of dates that I'm trying to keep track of. <laughs> um, I believe it was in 2015 that they had, um, I kind of want to say a crappier um, thin blue line <laughs> sign <laughs> that was on their door. I think that was on there for a little while, and then they transitioned to the flag with the blue line going through it. Um, and so this has been a fixture of their restaurant for like years. Um, and then I got replaced with an NYPD sticker at some point, And I think that's gone as of now. Who knows if they were getting shit for that or what. Um, right. But, um, you know, there's a lot of little things and some not little things that you may not notice, but they mean something. And I think together they mean, you know, a pretty it's a pretty clear message that they're sending. Absolutely. Um in addition to uh, the Ricky Gervais and the Rick and Morty, did has Prince Street responded? Did I see something on your story that they started following you? They did. I discovered last night they unfollowed me, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I, I tracked that in the, in the story, too. So they followed me, and they unfollowed me, uh, which was sad, you know, but... <laughs> but to be clear, they have not directly responded to you no and there's been no apology public no public apology or public post about this uh to that note well not that i've seen and i you know kind of i haven't been on as as thoroughly today as i uh, you know was yesterday but i hadn't seen anything Uh, I'd, i'd be surprised if there were um but i'll say this um a lot of people responded to their latest post calling that that behavior out saying why did you do that why are you defending this that sort of stuff people sent me screenshots they're all gone they're deleting messages i didn't feel the need to post the messages i think you know there's nothing not a peep really um but there's enough people have sent them to me that you know they're, they're deleting messages um and so i think they're trying to let this blow over and i i think the fact is it will if food media doesn't hold them accountable for this. And I don't think they even need to do, you know, reporting on my reporting. There's, this is on Yelp right now, at least until they delete it, if they can. I took screenshots though. Um, I'll be honest that it was, I was kind of surprised, like what? No, no eater, no Grub Street, you know, article, like nothing, like no, I know it's the holiday week. It is the holiday. I, I'm interested to see what happens next week. Yeah. Um, because I think as big as this restaurant is and as significant as this is, because I don't know, you know, there's a lot of people 
mostly, you know, non-white people that are really uncomfortable with this. There's a lot of white people that have talked to me that are uncomfortable with this. But, yeah. you know, this is a blatant attack on non-white people in a pretty significant way. And I think, um, I think for such a big restaurant, I think it should be talked about. I think there's more than enough evidence to, to point to this. Their response to the Facebook anti-Black matter, Lives Matter um, post is clear enough. He did uh, seemingly delete his Facebook um, Dom uh, Morano, that, that's the son of the, that, that's the owner, the, the son of Frank Morano, who I think used to be the primary owner. I mean, the, why would they have responded to it if it wasn't real? And that right. can easily be confirmed that they responded to it. I, I think there's more than enough evidence here to say that this all happened. Joe, what's the one thing that people should know about when it comes to this issue? And also one thing that you are trying to accomplish in bringing this issue to light? I think it's the same thing that I've been trying to accomplish with everything. I think people should be held accountable for their actions. I think, you know, right now, an account with 4 million followers just posted about Prince Street Pizza. And I I think people should be aware of that as much as they're aware that you can get a pile of pepperoni on a square. Um, You know, they just opened up in uh, LA. Uh, They were originally you know, based in Prince Street in, in Manhattan. Um, and I think they're going to continue to grow. And it's a shame that people, if people don't know who they're supporting. Joe, thank you for sharing this story with us. I always like to end the podcast by asking if there's any takeaway that you'd like to leave with listeners that can positively influence their lives. It could be something that we just discussed, a pro tip or general life advice that you live by. You know, you, I think you did a a great job of describing my goals with Richard Eaglespoon. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I think I I have for for people, uh, you know, the message is take a deep breath and think about what you're doing. You know, check your hypothesis, check your sources. Think about the implication of the stuff. Think about, you know, the context. Um, I think that can really help. And, you know, check your assumptions just is basically it. And Joe, where can people follow you again? Uh, people can follow me on probably Instagram's the best bet. Uh, J-O-E underscore R-O-S-E-N-T-H-A-L. All right. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Have You Eaten Yet wherever you get your podcasts.